Hello and welcome to the Spiraling Higher podcast hosted by me, Sam, Mindset and Manifestation Coach. And me, Gina, your Biz and Mindset Coach. We're here to support you on your spiritual journey by bringing you intimate and raw conversations about healing, manifestation, consciousness, and spirituality. We hope this podcast makes you feel less alone as you become aware of your patterns and limiting beliefs to uplevel your life, manifest like a boss, and together, spiral higher. Hello, and welcome back to the Spiraling Higher podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Sam, and I'm here with my bestie and co-host, Gina. Hello. And we are so freaking excited to bring you today's guest. She is someone who I became incredibly fascinated by in the last month. One of her videos popped up on my TikTok, and she had the most eloquent way of describing what an ideal school would look like. It was this idea that the school would be about unlearning Mm -hmm. everything that we've learned as we've been conditioned in society. And it was absolutely fascinating to me because I had this idea too, which got me thinking we're all connected. And Mm -hmm. so I reached out to her and I'm I'm just so excited to have her on. And I know that you are too. Yes, that video was amazing. And I remember you talking to me about this school idea and I went over to her profile and binged every single one of her videos as well. So Sega, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's just so beautiful. Like everyone that just, we're just coming together through this one app, the cool TikTok. It's, it's incredible. I know. It's so fascinating to me that I have become so close with people around the world that I would have never been able to connect to years ago who I feel truly like kindred spirits. I remember watching your video and thinking, I just have to talk to this mind. I have to co-create with her. I have to know how she came to these conclusions because all of your videos are really hope for the future. Ideas that we could actually begin to innovate if we weren't so concerned with ego and self-protection and fighting wars. You know, What could we actually innovate if we had time and peace and we're all tapped into abundance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a really nice way of putting it. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, I think for me, it's more of just letting my imagination just come to life and just, I'm sure everyone does this, you know, you do it. Every single person kind of sits and wonders of like, what if this, imagine that. And I think what TikTok has allowed me to do was to just get my thoughts together mm-hmm. and then to just share it with the people who are also thinking the same thing. And when you said you had this experience, I was like, yeah, like so many people reached out to me and we're just this network. And it was just so beautiful that I actually had a guy message me a couple of days ago and he said, I would like to help you build this school. So we're speaking <gasps> tomorrow. And one of the funny things for me, and it's really liberating in a way, is that I make these videos from a place of wonder, creativity, and play. Like I'm kind of coming to the people and I'm saying, what if this? Mm-hmm. Right. And then people are really hyping it up. And I'm like, I am loving this just because. I just sat there and I was like, well, what if this? And then I have like someone like you, Sam, reaching out to me or this guy. And I'm like, wow, like you guys really want to make this happen. Mm -hmm. I think what's beautiful about you, Saga, is that you're really putting a voice to these ideas that so many other people 
are too afraid to say, right? Like this sounds crazy. There would never be a school like this. And I really love that because it really is, like I said, putting a voice to these these very, I guess, the wondrous ideas that we don't really allow ourselves to have the space to explore and to ideate and to brainstorm and to, yeah, I really love that because that sounded like such a far away idea, you know, this school that would teach you unlearning. And it sounds so far from where we are now, but in watching your video, it feels like it could totally be a reality right now. And I think that's what I love about your whole message around that. Mm, Yeah. I think also one of the things that have picked up about myself is number one for the past five months for me on TikTok has been self-discovery on a whole Mm. nother level. If you go and watch my first video, I was like, who is this person? This is so amazing. (laughs) So I have totally transitioned through all these identities to now become this. And then I don't even know who I'll be tomorrow. But one of the things that I learned is that I'm really incorporating every single thing that I've learned. So a school for unlearning really is just a Buddhist monastery. Wow. Mm. So what I've done is that I've picked it up, repackaged it, and really have made it somewhat more relative and approachable and more suited to the West. Because, for example, I lived in a monastery for seven weeks, and although it sounds really short, it is quite mm-hmm. intense. That's a long time. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really, but it, it was pretty much everything, aside from all the like biohacking treatments and all of the other things that I would like to incorporate that I've learned elsewhere. It really is just a bundle of all these ideas that I've had over the years into one package, really. I do have to be quite mindful. So whenever I come up with the, with the ideas, I am very, very intentional about everything that I put into which mm. video, just because, of course, there does need to be a real experience. So what I would like for the audience to really feel is two things, is to, number one, really like expand their yeah. vision, their imagination. I just want them to like come on this road with me. But the second thing is then I really need them to feel this. So if you see, there is a lot of visuals Mm -hmm. on my videos. Mm -hmm. I spend like anything up like seven, eight hours per video looking for pictures just to mirror the script of what I'm saying. So I, I really put in as much effort and time and curation really to make you want to come on this ride with me. Mm. It's amazing. And all of your followers are right there with you. Like you said, people like me and people like the person you're meeting tomorrow, reaching out to you, wanting to make these things happen. And knowing that you spend all of this time creating this experience really shows me that you are a true artist. And I want to ask you more questions about this school. But prior to doing that, I would love for you to tell us and or really take us on a little bit of a journey of how you got to who you are right now. You consider yourself someone, like I said, who is a creator, but once before you were someone who was created. So can you explain what that means, how you went on a journey from being created to creator as someone now who is sharing wildly imaginative ideas? But of course, I'm sure that wasn't your journey to begin with. So tell us a little bit about that. That's, it just literally took me back to all of my life milestones. So I guess 
the whole process is a journey, right? The whole thing, the whole process of life, like from the second we are learning language and interaction and coming into life and, you know, going onto the playground. And that's, that's all part of the process of becoming and developing identities. I think the moment where I became quite conscious that I can self-create was not long ago, about five years ago. But prior to that, I really feel that I've developed organically all of these tools for me to come to a point and be like, oh my God, I can actually manipulate and create an identity from scratch. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. like like art. Like it, it was such a empowering feelings. And that's that's actually the moment I remember I was sitting on my bed and I was like, self-creators. Mm-hmm. And then I quickly jumped on Instagram to just check if the handle were still available. And that's what my previous company is called, self-creators. And it is really about creating identities and how I really came to that. I do have a point in life. 2015 was a point in my life where I started healing my depression. Mm. Previous to that, I've had a lot of pains, a lot of struggles, a lot of hardship that. I mean, I'm, I'm an immigrant from Iran and the complexities that comes with that is very, very deep yeah. and somewhat, somewhat personal that you're just trying to figure yourself out in a new world. Mm-hmm. And 2015 came, it was almost like my whole experience was at a breaking point. I was mm-hmm. like this pressure cooker that just couldn't bear it anymore. And I was in deep depression. I was dealing with a lot back then. And I find it really fascinating because a friend of mine just knocked on my door and he said, oh, I just went to this acupuncture lady and she was great. You have to come. So then he just randomly takes me to this tiny little shop in London. And I just go to this little lady and I'm like, I'm saying, I'm depressed. I've got these problems. I've got health issues, all of these things. And she literally checked my tongue. She t- checked my pulse and she started giving me all these teas and all these different things. And honestly, that was it. The next week, wow. another friend called and she was like, I just went and got um, colonic hydrotherapy. You have to try this. And it was so organic. All of these people coming to rescue me in one way or another but these two friends Carla and Danielle like oh like my life has really shifted because of these two people and it was at that point I turned vegan and then it was just a whole nother world from there I started trying every single treatment you can possibly imagine self-help books like yeah, it was it was a journey. And I kind of became so curious about the whole process because I just saw so many shifts in myself, you know. Mm-hmm, I was able to mm-hmm. all of a sudden really take back the power that I never thought I had. Yes. Yes. And I was like, oh my God, like I have power. This is incredible. And I have to tell you. It was very organic. It was so organic that like one thing came to another and then another and then another. And I just felt quite held through this process. I started doing yoga and just general meditation. 
And then I tapped into plant medicine. Then I tapped into mm. biohacking. Then I tapped into breathwork. Then I tapped into every single possible treatment out there. I just kind of almost had to try. It was a thing of mine. And now that I'm here, what I was able to do was to almost find like ways to shift my identity in different ways. I have a design background. So with my design background, I kind of created this, like I documented the ways I could shift my identity. Mm. I remember mm. I created like an alter ego and I was like, let me just create this like identity. And although I'm not going to be her, but if I was this alter ego, who would I be? What would I look like? What mm -hmm. would I smell like? Mm -hmm. I would, I would change my name. I really wish that I could be a different person every single day. Like one day I'll be like a completely different person to what I even could understand now. Yeah. You know? like, and that mm -hmm. for me was just such a powerful process. And now that I'm here, I'm just really have become this person organically mm. just by opening my heart. Hey listeners, quickly interrupting this episode to say that if you're loving this conscious conversation, we're inviting you to join the dialogue with us inside of our free Spiraling Higher community. It's our favorite place on earth and it's where you can meet like-minded souls on their healing journey and discuss what you're spiraling through with your conscious besties. It's where we continue this conversation long after the episode ends because as we all know, healing is an upward spiral. So join the conversation, share with us your insights, questions, and breakthroughs. We're here for it all. You can join by creating a free account by clicking the link at the top of the show notes. Can't wait to see you in there. I love this idea of identity shifts that you're talking about. And, you know, it's interesting because isn't it quite radical for us to actually choose and create our own identity in this society? Mm -hmm. But I've been thinking about how in reality, if you don't choose and create one, then you're just given one. Yes. And so I love this idea that you're intentionally crafting and organically becoming this person on purpose, because mm -hmm. if we don't actually bring intentionality to who we want to be, who we want to embody, then we just subsume the expectations of the culture, of the society. And I really feel like that's why so many people are living very similar lives. It's like, it's so robotic. And so what I hear when I heard the term self-creators is I took this self-driving car turned it off and decided to go manual. Mm. I'm choosing now where I turn right, where I turn left, where I'm going. I don't just go where the car is programmed to go. I choose where to go. And so I'm kind of curious to know, did, did that actually start in 2015? Was that something that you said kind of happened later? When did you actually get the notion that you were creating yourself rather mm. than just being who you were conditioned to be? Mm -hmm. I think naturally every single person from the mom moment you have the choice between like, for example, you go to a toy store and you get to choose colors, like that element of choice is always there. Now, when we kind of get to a point that, oh, if I chose this, then this will happen. Mm. I think it's only at that point, then you're able to really shift it in a way that you don't look in it at the options in front of you, but you're looking at whatever the outcome mm -hmm. would be. So, um, of course, 
really a shift happens when people are suffering or struggling with things. That's really always a point where the story yeah. changes. Mm-hmm. Um, no one really kind of comes out and says, oh, I lived a great, happy life. And then all of a sudden my story <laughs> yeah. changed. Um, but I think a story really does really ignite with a point of discomfort. And for me, um, it was 2015. But I think, as I said, like previous to that, all of my design skills really helped me in this mm-hmm. process because I was able to really deconstruct what an identity is. So for example, um, how I want to sound, my voice, my smell, my um, posture, the the length of my hair, how I want people to see me, how I want me to see other people. So the whole element of mind, body, spirit, but on a much more Mm -hmm. broader level, um, that's words cannot mm-hmm. comprehend. Um, I was, I kind of went into each of these domains and tried to start to customize and, you know, like a DJ deck, you kind of shift things here and there. And, um, ultimately I think my goal was to feel yeah. better. That was, that was the goal back then because I really didn't want to feel the sadness or depression, the anxiety. Cause, um, when you're at that point, you really would do anything to feel better. And as soon as I kind of found all of these different tools, that was it. I was just like, oh, my God, there's something else I can try that would make me feel different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just went. Mm, I love the level of trust that you had on that journey, though, because I think there's a lot of our listeners, just a lot of people in general, where there's something about when you've done something for a long time and it, maybe it was something you dreamed about for a long time. I don't know how long you wanted to be a designer before you became a designer. Um, but a lot of people kind of create this life and this identity, this job, this career to then find out maybe this isn't what I want, but there's a level of fear of leaving that because you used to want that for so long. And now you're kind of shedding this person that you used to be. And there's a little bit of confusion sometimes on but I've spent so much time on this. Is this a waste? But I love what you said because everything you learned up until that point was totally helping you to facilitate this new dream. And I think that's indicative in a lot of our lives that nothing's a waste, right? Everything needs to happen to get us to those certain points of deep surrender, right? Sometimes these really painful things need to happen. And so maybe it's not that you made a wrong decision of getting into design in the first place, but simply that that's what vehicle you needed to get to this knowing now. So I would love to hear what that journey was like for you, because I think when people hear about somebody switching identities or, yeah, I'm not doing this anymore. I want to pursue this. There's so much fear involved, so much trust involved, but from the outside, it looks like it was easy, right? Like, oh, she Mm. just went for her dream. So I would love for you to touch on a little bit of what that process was like for you. um, And how did you, I guess, deal with the fear if there was fear? Okay. Yeah. A thousand percent. There's always fear. <laughs> that's the exciting, that's the spicy part that. of it all. Um, I think one thing that I would say is that it's only the first time that it's really mm. hard. So the first time you want to self-create is really hard. And then you're like, oh my God, I am so bored of this identity. Hello, let's move. What's next? You know? Mm-hmm. And um, I, I was actually saying this to my partner. I was like, 
it's so easy to now just shift, get up and go. And all of a sudden, for example, like to come on TikTok and self-create again virtually, like my virtual self is very different to the self before. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the, the first time is always hard. And then once you get in the rhythm of it, you'll be shifting pretty much every single year, if not every single month mm. and day. Um, but I... Um, I don't know, and I'm, I, I will. I would say what's on my heart, and then um, Julie sure. will tell me if um, yes. I'm answered. Um, but I think everything kind of starts with an invitation. You know, every single morning we wake up, and there's an invitation there for us to choose a kind of like matrix. You know, do you want the blue pill? Do you want the red pill? Either way. And to be very honest with you, I think there are infinite yes. pills. It's not just yes. two. Mm-hmm. Um, you start with an invitation, and then from there, it's like you kind of almost enter a void. Mm. You go into this domain of unknowing and you're like, gosh, what is this world where I don't understand Mm -hmm. anything? And considering that we really operate from a place of language and systems and principles and really everything needs to be in Mm -hmm. order, from there it's like, let me just ease into the void. You know, let me just see what's inside of here. Then from there, like naturally you kind of come out of it and you enter the new world and you kind of come back and you're like, what is this world now? You know, it's really like a story. It's a journey. And then um, from there, you're a new person in this new world, wondering who you are. And it's actually at that point where self-creation becomes really a point, a tool, I should say, a tool for operating on an intentional level. Mm -hmm. So then you come out, you're like, right. Um, And for every single part of these, there are so many different supports, tools, wellness treatments. Um, I mean, I started with um, acupuncture as my first treatment. And then the last thing that I've um, recently tapping into is energy healing. And that's like on a much more personal, mm-hmm. deep level that I just do for myself. And in these like seven years, every single journey has come with a set of kits that I could just like learn about and immerse myself in. Mm. Um, once you're in this new, like in the world again, I think at that point, you know, you're like, okay, do I want to change my name? Do I want to change? Like, who do I want to be? One thing is very important, I think, here to say is that my parents left me alone. Mm. So I could kind of just be whoever, however, as I wished. And I'm very thankful for that. Yeah. Um, I I actually wanted to add on to that because when you were talking about being a designer earlier and how you were very familiar with this process of creating an identity, because from a playful, creative place, you're like, maybe this, maybe that. You're making a lot of choices. What that made me realize is that self-creators or people who are more apt to become self-creators earlier in life must have had freedom of choice at an early age age. Yes. And so I'm thinking about people like Gino and so many of our listeners, we were not given a lot of agency of choice. You couldn't choose the color of your bedroom. You couldn't even really choose what you were going to wear. You couldn't really choose what you were going to eat. It was like, you're doing what we're doing and that's it. And if you fight against us, we will essentially oppress you because you are a child. And so then when you go into adulthood and you're essentially just welcomed into the world of free choice, 
consciousness, making decisions, we are so paralyzed. I think part of what one of the primary things I coach is analysis paralysis. Do I do this? Do I do that? Is this right? Is this right? And so when it comes to creative identity, there is no wrong choices. And earlier it sounded like when you were creating your identities, there's a true sense of playfulness. Like I can't really get this wrong. It's totally fine if I choose blue or if I choose yellow or green or this hair or this scent. But in a fear-based mindset, a scarcity lack mindset, that choice is so limited because there is restriction and fear around which choices are going to lead to which results. Like you said earlier, we can't make choices freely because we're thinking about fear-based outcomes. And so I would love for you to, yes, dive in deeper into the journey of being left alone and how that gave you freedom to make choices, which might make people think deeply about, wait, was I given free choice as a child? And is that what's sort of inhibiting me now? Um, Because that's something that was really difficult for me and Gina was to reclaim our own choices that I can choose this. And I don't actually have to get anyone to be on board. I don't have to get anyone to agree. I can just be okay with this. But that took a really long time because agency wasn't really part of our childhood. I mean, I'm I'm still working through it. So please (laughs) enlighten me. Yeah. Um, it's actually interesting because as you're saying it, um, I'm just wondering how my whole childhood was. And um, so I, w- I lived in Iran till I was nine and then my family immigrated. Um, I think my process of creation was only powered by the not having. Mm. So by not having that agency, not necessarily that they left me alone to play, but actually they didn't even know what play was, that this child needs to play. But there was nothing. I remember like um, my whole upbringing, I was quite rebellious and um, I really was, that was my form of Mm. play. I, I, anything that anyone said, I would revolt against it. I remember like at a young age, I was 10, like nine, like I would um, have deep political conversations with my dad and just rebel against him. And throughout my whole like lifetime, this was a thing. And I think it comes from that mm. point of like not being guarded in any way. So I could just be anything that. I wanted, but at the same time, there was always this lack because with the not having comes the lack of security and it comes with the lack of, well, is anyone acknowledging me? Can someone validate me? Is this right? Mm -hmm. Is this wrong? And it's only at like this age that I'm really learning about polarity of life and um, there is no right and wrong and everything was just a form of expression and creation. And, um, so yes, like they did leave me alone, but also they didn't really support me either. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you had to create so things was, yourself. Yeah, I mean it's kind of like um, it's kind of natural, isn't it? You gotta like survive as as a little mini human. You're out here. You're here already. So you gotta you gotta do what you possibly can in order to not feel certain yes. things. And um, that was, I think really um the space that my whole uh, creativity sparked in mm-hmm. and um my, my family they're super like young um 
and the, the, my my mum is like my sister mm. and it's really interesting because I just felt like I grew up really fast mm. and um, kind of coming into a country at the age of nine and not knowing the language not knowing who I am not knowing who my family is you know all of a sudden we've moved from Iran to England and it's fascinating to kind of all of a sudden see that where is Iranian family in another mm-hmm. place with no family with like no, no one speaks our language um no one eats our food no one speaks the way we do everything is different so I think maybe even that as I'm speaking about it was my first identity mm-hmm. shift you know Well, this is interesting to hear because Gina and I both dealt with that experience. We grew up in very homogeneous white communities and we're the only Asian family there. So we definitely felt this identity split and pressure. Like, am I Korean? Like, do I hang out with the white kids? Like, how can I be the most, basically, how can I assimilate? And Mm -hmm. it's so interesting that the safety for a child is that assimilation. I remember feeling extreme anxiety if I didn't have like the same jackets as my friends. Yeah. And like everyone started wearing the same shoes. And I was like, I need those. And I would just fixate on it for weeks until my mom was like, okay, let's just, let's just get it because you're not, you're not letting this go. <laughs> and it just made me feel so safe to walk through these school doors and know that I was wearing the same effing jacket and the same effing shoes as every single person there. And that's that's so against the idea of self-creatorship, right? Mm -hmm. In self-creatorship, we're really resourcing ourselves and figuring out what do I feel like wearing? Mm -hmm. How do I want to be expressed today? And because you're a a unique point of consciousness, it's probably not going to look like your friend, sister, brother, mom, dad. And so we have to come up against that internal conflict within ourselves that says, stay small, conform, in order to really step into who we are. And so- yeah, I'm kind of curious. Did you feel like, oh my gosh, this fear of non-conformity or was that never really an issue for you? So I remember, um, as you're speaking about, the, the one point that I remember was um, when I was in school, I was very different, mm-hmm. as I'm sure uh, the same for you. Um, so I, I I was like the, the, the kid that was different. Mm-hmm. So um, in, in many different, like, ways um and I never had friends I was always that girl that would come in and just leave no no friends whatsoever and I think for me it's um I don't know why I never wanted to be like other people Mm. Mm. it kind of almost feels like I didn't really see depth and value in them Mm. that I was like well do I want to also be like them and that the 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 answer is really like I remember copying the most popular girls for a few times Mm -hmm. just to show myself that as an immigrant I can have that and I remember I would create like um these um stickers and put them on my shoes because her shoes had embroidery on it I couldn't afford those shoes so I would like go and buy like uh these fabrics that had similar patterns and cut it and then stick them on there with 
pop glue. Um, I would literally spend hours and hours learning how to plait my own hair yeah. just to um, mirror them. But I actually, this is super fascinating. Thank you for sparking this in my mind. That was actually, it was a bullying element that made me stop doing it mm. because they said I'm copying them. Oh. And actually, at that point, I was like, huh, okay, that, that's copying. And apparently in this world, this is not good yeah. bad. And actually, now that I think about it, the girl who copied me is the girl who, uh, sorry, the girl who bullied me is the girl who actually made me who I have. Yeah. Oh my god! Everything is yeah. for our evolution. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> Yeah. And then I remember from there onwards, um, I started doing like the craziest hairstyles. Don't look at me now. Like <laughs> I was the punk rocker. I was the goth. I was the, um, I was never the hot girl. Mm-hmm. I was never the hot girl. But none I of was us. Everything. <laughs> I wasn't either. That's for sure. None of us. That was not our vibe. Yeah. Was... <laughs> yeah. Leave it to the other girls. Um, Leave it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I, I was everything and anything. And I even remember, like, I would draw how I would want my hair, like, shaved on one side and then kind of like rounded, wow. and then with a little ponytail on the left. Um, I would draw this up and take it to an Iranian hairdresser and she would judge me and think what is this girl on um and I would just uh, buy these sprays with purple um paint and do like swirls on the side of my head and at this point I think I'm like 14 um yeah so it was actually yeah there was at the point that they were like you're copying me and I was like well let me then I guess at that point now that I'm thinking about it let me just do me wow and it just it was a weird hybrid, I have to say. Yeah. But it was what I expressed then, I guess. My experience, I used to move every couple of years. And um, my parents would move us in the middle of the school year. So it would always be when everyone already had their friends. I established my friends. I was in the middle of certain lesson plans. And then I'd get plopped into a brand new school. No idea what they were learning. And I just remember scanning the room at the beginning of every first, you know, day at the new school. And I would just scan. I would spend the first little while just basically understanding who do I need to be to fit in? You know, what are these people like? How can I show up to kind of, like Sam was saying, assimilate and kind of just merge into the person that I need to be to be accepted here? And so that went on all throughout my teenage years. And my parents, like if I had said, I want to shave my head, my mom would have like, I would never even say that to my mom. You know, I would never even ask to dye my hair or can I wear this? My mom just said, this is what you're wearing. These are the friends you're going to have. Yeah. You can't be friends with that person. You know, you can't take that kind of class. You know, you're going to take this. So everything was very much decided for me um, with really no explanation. And anything that I really desired for myself was instantly shot down. I still wanted to do things like I wanted to sing and I wanted to take gymnastics and it was just a straight out no. And so, you know, in my adult life, I actually have to tell myself I'm allowed to do this. It's it's so ingrained in my mind that I, whenever I think about what I desire to do, there's always a secondary follow-up statement of how will this affect 
other people. You know, is this going to hurt this person? Is my mom going to agree? And it, it was very unconscious at first. And I think now in this past year, I've really been stepping more into who what do I actually want to be? And kind of like what you said, I feel like this artist with all of these different colors and a blank canvas, and I get to just paint my life now. And it's a very foreign feeling for me, but I will say it's very freeing. And it's just a constant permission slip and kind of inner, um, I guess, cheerleader of like, yeah, you get to be whoever you want. Yeah, you get to be, be playful. But, you know, with my daughter, I want her to try everything. Do you want to try soccer, baseball, you know, music, this? And it's just like this open buffet of experience for her and there's no pressure. Mm -hmm. So I'm really trying to adopt that for myself because I think in adulthood, we wish we could try these things, but it feels like we don't have the spaciousness or the permission to just play and just try things, you know? And so I'm trying to step more into that season of my life where I just try things for the sake of trying, not because I have to believe that it's going to be successful or that it's going to work. Mm -hmm. So I really love hearing this from you because it's definitely resonating deep within me of, again, just living in a space where we can be playful and we get to design and we get to try different things on. Like, it sounds like for you, you're like, one day I can be this, the next day I can be that. Where I think more from the framework of, if I become this, this is who I am for the next 10 years, (laughs) you know, where I just love the playfulness and the kind of I don't know, the fluidity, I guess, of your being. So, yeah. yeah. Um, when you were talking about the formidity, I was, um, the one thing that came to my head, I had a flashback of who my parents are. Mm. And my dad is a photographer and my mom has a design. Um, mm. she's, a, she's a stylist. Mm-hmm. Um, they've always had a lot of creatives around and, like I even remember in our home in Iran when they had like parties and gatherings, everyone would be in the creative. Mm. Mm. Wow. Um, I, yeah. So now that I'm kind of reflecting, it would only make sense right. for me to have a little bit more freedom because that's how they were. And um, let's say all the things that you have, I probably don't have now. Yeah. Like, um, so, so that, that is definitely something that just came up for me in terms of how we really mirror our parents and it's kind of like, although somewhat on a psychological level, we just see and we copy, but also within our DNA and genetics and everything, I just really feel that there is this, um, transfer of identity Mm. that comes. And although, again, as I said, I rebelled thousand percent against everything that they were, but um, this element, this spark of creativity and play was um, somewhat transferred. And um, I, I never, I didn't have a good time with it. I have to say, it's it's not like I uh, took this creativity and I was like, yeah, I'm a designer. I'm going to rule the world. <laughs> yeah. No, like for actually most of my life, um, even through my design career, I didn't want to be a designer because it was actually looked down on. Mm. And I always wanted to have this um it's kind of like a power play, right? Like, it's like, I want to be on the hierarchy. I want to be at the top. Yeah. And um, the, the creatives are only started to be appreciated today. Yeah. Whereas, uh, and not even as much as they should, mm-hmm. but really, um, I just feel that most of my 
career, I was always the one that created everything. I was never acknowledged for everything, which then really like really left this voiding me Mm. of, well, who is this designer? What is a designer? And only actually through my work with um, self-creators and now TikTok, I've really gained back my power Mm. as a designer. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's definitely not really something that I had a great time with. Um, I had to come into Well, I was going to say a rebellion ain't easy, right? And I truly believe that reclaiming your most true, authentic, creative self is a rebellion because it will Mm -hmm. go against everything that you have been taught, which actually takes me back to the school idea that we were talking about earlier. And I just want to revisit that because I really want people to start to think a lot bigger, a lot more expansively about what education could truly look like. And so I want to talk about first, what do you think current schools are teaching people about themselves, about who to be, about what to do? And what would you like for schools to intend for their pupils instead? Wow, Sam, you really went there, didn't you? (laughs) Yeah, I did. Um So, um, you know, I, I, um, so I don't know what the current school systems are, but, um, from just hearing little bits here and there, I I think they've they've developed tremendously since we went to, I went to school. Um, and I think that's just because of like how the world is changing and everything is diversifying and expanding and growing and it's great. Um, but I think one of the things that they don't do which I really wish that they had was all of this element of self-discovery and intentional self-discovery because it's only when you come out of school you begin to actually go to school yes Mm -hmm. you know exactly you come out and you're like okay so who am I what am I doing how am I going to make money who am I going to be marrying, dating, if, if that's your intention? Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, it's only after school that you go to school. So for me, if I was to kind of change it up a little bit and just say, if I had a kid, how would I raise them mm-hmm. maybe? Mm-hmm. I would put them in school from, and by the way, I'm not a mother. This is my creative mind just going, (laughs) I know it's hard. It's not as I'm about to say, (laughs) but I think what I would like them to learn is um, awareness, stillness, self-care tools. Um, I, I probably would like them to really expand their library of meanings Mm. i would like them to learn different ways of communication i would like them to tap in and vocabularize feelings from every single movement and shift in their body i would like them to have a word for it Mm -hmm. um and all of this is just so they can navigate consciously and intentionally throughout life mm-hmm. because um, what the things that we don't learn in school are the things that we probably need the most, which is communication, understanding, patience, um, love, mm-hmm. self-compassion, connection. Mm-hmm. 
gosh, like the fact that we come out of school in these little packs and then yeah. you're like, I, I am this. Yeah. And, I'm, and that's such an absolutist way of thinking. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the terms that I live by is um, a man who rejects any part of reality is a dysfunctional man. And this mm. doesn't about a man, about humans. Right. I really just would like in schools for them to first teach you the functionality and the system of being a human before we inject it with information that is secondary almost. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you're saying that because Gina and I feel like we've been on a literal rehumaning journey. That's been most of our healing journey is not really becoming anything more, but just becoming less of what was injected later. Like what is my true original form? What are the emotions that I am feeling, have felt, and never knew how to name or process? What does it feel like to have a creative spark in my body and how do I engage with that? You know, what does it feel like to be angry and explore that and understand what's underneath that? How do I feel human. And um, it's so interesting that you said that because I've been thinking about how schools don't really teach you how to be a great human. They just treat you how to be a really great robotic follower. And your humanity, your wide range of emotional experiences, that kind of is hard to control. So it's best for them to make it so that you don't experience a lot of variation in your emotions, socialize you to think that emotions are bad for the most part, right? Unless you're being compliant, content, happy, non-questioning, we don't like you. You're not good for this system. And I think about the kids who were told that they were like class clowns or like asking too many questions. And these are renegades. These are mavericks, right? In the making, but they're being told by teachers and higher ups, authority figures that you can't act like that. Mm -hmm. You you need to be smaller. You're you're being too much or don't ask so many questions. I actually remember being told that as a kid too, like I'm asking too many questions. (laughs) And um, that self-inquiry is where we really actually create because without the inquiry, we just we just accept it as it is. We don't even think that it could be different. You know, I've been rereading 1984 recently. And of course the book plays with this theme of is freedom even real? How can you even want freedom if you don't know that it exists? Right. It's not even something you can desire because it's not in your awareness. And so I think about the ways that schools are really limiting our awareness. And not every school, right? And like you said, things have changed a lot since we were kids, but It really was that I feel on a global scale, the intention behind like a public school system is to make you the most controllable, right, reasonable citizen to control because it's a lot of people that they have to sort of man and control and get on board with all these different political ideologies and laws and bills. So for us to be fully intentional, creative, inquisitive human beings, I think would be too much for a current day, a current modern day political structure. Like for everyone to just decide to question everything and choose for themselves, that would stress out political leaders. Yeah. I think um, the, the grandness and the greatness of being 
your whole true self. Yeah. And I, by the way, I have a thing with the term true self because there's absolutely nothing true about the self. It's all fake. Yeah, that's the not self. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, with that, it's it's quite grand and um, may may be not able to fit into this small dictionary of language that we have now. And I think for me, I just feel that maybe we don't have to be in these big groups, right? Like we could just be like little tribes here and there. Mm -hmm. And um, as you could like witness now is that you and I connected over an idea. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's, we are all connected into this one field. We are all really desiring similar things. Um, which is love (laughs) and harmony and just chilledness, you know? Um, So there is that ultimate destination. How we get there is is different. And I just feel with schools, what could possibly be an option, and again, this is quite a big statement, is to just have little schools, you know, every, um, maybe each area would have their own unique um, group of people that just go to that school and that's it instead of us having to be part of a bigger system because I feel Mm -hmm. that once a human is in a smaller more familiar safe space we're much more able to become um the person that we are and we build connections imagine going to school with a thousand people versus going to school with 10 people you know Mm -hmm. like imagine how those 10 people would support you and really cheer you on and really become a pillar to your identity versus like going to school with thousand people. It's a whole nother game. You almost become like non-existence in the back and it's Mm. the survival of the bigger identities, which I assume that's when the bullies come in. That's when the people who are really, and but there's nothing wrong with experience expressing your emotions as long as it's not aggressive you know because all that a bully really is is that they just have a lot of energy that they just don't know how to handle yep Mm -hmm. so um i just feel that maybe it will be um that there are just so many different ways of going about the whole process of building a school yeah Um, Kind of going mini and compact is possibly a way. Or um, another thing that just kind of came to my mind as you were speaking is that why is it that we go to school from a certain age to a certain age? Yeah. Uh, Quite um, limiting because really school starts from home. Yes. You know, Mm -hmm. your parents are your first teachers. And um, like, that that's like just homeschooling I don't know what that would look like but really um going back to the OG school which is your parents is like how do we as like humans ourselves really see ourselves when we're planning to have children to really like think of like well I'm about to become a teacher yep Mm. I'm gonna I'm going to be opening up the school (laughs) which is what I yeah, I wish parents thought that way, but not every parent is conscious, right? And that's so what I was they say. Yeah. Yeah. It's really yeah. challenging because I definitely consider myself a conscious parent. And, you know, I definitely think my daughter went to the school of 
I guess me and my husband and, you know, the things that we really want to impart on her and the way that we want her to, you know, ultimately it's not even what I really want for her, but more to give her space to become who she is. Right. And, and even when she's nervous about what somebody thinks of her trying to focus on, well, how do you feel about yourself? I'm very conscious even about when she does something, I, of course I tell her I'm proud of her, but first I ask, how do you feel about it? Because I don't want the first thing after she does something to be, what does mom think about it? What does dad think about it? What does my teacher think? The challenge for me as a parent right now is that the rest of the world doesn't operate that way, right? So I feel like before these schools can really exist, it's like all of the parents need to go to the school first, right? So that they can then better support what they would be learning in this school because there is such a deep unlearning that needs to happen. Um, And I've certainly reparented myself in the process of becoming a parent and that's helped me to be the kind of teacher that she needs. So yeah, there's so many layers, but I do sincerely hope that we can get to that place because I feel like we're like inching towards it, but there's still just in my experience as a parent in her school, we're we're fighting against the grain for sure still. I think like, again, it's not really like, even with the video that I came out with, I wasn't really intending it towards in any way children. For sure. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, it would be for adults. Yeah. It's hard, you know, like, like I, I really had down to parents for growing like a human yeah this is like the greatest grandest like project of life really you know? is. giving life and then watching it grow it's just so phenomenal and profound and it's just it's wow um but i think as as we're speaking about this it's just kind of coming to me that it's it doesn't have to start with this great foundation. Yes. And yeah. every day is an invitation. And it could be actually, in which in my case was the case that really my school started in 2015. And it was just, mm. uh, it started with a shift in a story. And then it kind of just diverted towards a whole different process. So, um, that's definitely could always be a option mm-hmm. to choose to go to school again and yeah. to self-create, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting that we're going this way because I really feel that, for example, my coaching programs, containers, and even this podcast is serving as like school, yeah. right? This is a place where you can come and unlearn, right? We're kind of giving examples, stories, guests, and insights into what sort of things that we did learn or absorb and how that created certain results for us and our or manifestations that we didn't enjoy, didn't like, and how can we kind of go about undoing that? And so yeah, earlier, Gina, you said, well, the problem is that I'm being this conscious parent and other people aren't. And yeah, we can't force that. The only thing we can do is actually all heal ourselves. Once every single person comes to awareness about their repressed emotions and their conditioned habits and states of being, then we can come to a place where we've all self-created and then actually imagine for ourselves a better world. Because I think a lot of us believe that, well, the world just can't be like that. Mm -hmm. But that's because we need to get every single person to the place where that's all that's left to do with our brains. We're like done with the egoic sort of war in our minds. We're done with the egoic war that happens outside of our minds in the world. And now we can actually use our brains 
fully for innovation and creating a higher, better world. But I also yeah. want to go back to this idea of your small school idea because that was really interesting for me because I have this perspective that I truly believe there is no need, at least this is just my thoughts, no need for these like super huge mega corporations. I really have this dream of everything kind of going back to local community-led businesses which would make sense if it was paralleled by this idea that we have like smaller schools, more sparsely, less sparsely spread out. They're kind of everywhere and they inform what kind of community-led service business we want to create. There is not this like big school, big corporation, right? I really want people to experience more creativity rather than like a thousand people just feeding one person's creative ideas. Why can't we have multiple businesses and every sort of community, city, town have exactly what it needs? We don't need to order something from China, right? We could just, we could make it here and someone could bring their own creative spin to it. And um, yeah, I just think the world would be so much happier being more creative. Yeah. I I also, um, just to add on to that, I think we're really just starting to see value in uh, small businesses, small ideas. ideas that then kind of have much more smaller audiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's definitely starting to pick up. I think one thing um, that kind of comes to my mind is that you, you, you mentioned ego, right? <laughs> and it's really fascinating because un- unless we really understand the purpose of our ego we're not going to be able to control it so Mm. you've got let's say in london we have all of these like small coffee shops we're actually backed by giant corporations Mm. (laughs) so what we're doing is that we're taking everything that is organic that it is very um as you say community-led even the term community now it's really when when you have big corporations say, "Oh, we're building a community." Out. Yeah, <laughs> really? Well, a, a community of millions of people—that's great. Yeah. Um, so, so I I think one thing that could really um, shine light on this element of small gatherings of humanity coming together, small collectives, is really communication. Because why is it that we would want to be in this smaller space? And I just feel that creating these spaces for ourselves where we are able to not be triggered in any way or be under threat will really lead a group of people that are much greater and grander. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would probably be one of the purposes and intentions of a smaller led school. Um, but also I think in general topics are so vital, you know, and yes. as, as we said, like, it's just so fascinating that, we kind of have topics that we don't even utilize after school. Whereas mm-hmm. imagine yeah. if we were to like, like even mathematics, right? If we were just to able link maths with life and sacred geometry and the flow of life and really like make 
every single thing related to real life struggles. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> that would be quite helpful. Um, like, for example, like I, I've been learning a lot about um, bio design recently, and it's fascinating because we can grow a like a house. You can actually grow a house instead of building a house, or you could grow a tree. You could grow like furnitures. And it's like, well, why can't I learn that in school where one of like, let's say the principles of going to the school is that by the age of 16, I have already built my own home. Right. Mm. It's like your final project is that you've already built your home. Now, if you decide to live somewhere else, great. But that the rules and regulations of the system is just would be completely different. And again, kind of really stopping this idea of everything needs to be monetized. Everything needs to be um, on a grander scale. Mm -hmm. It's not really a thing that I feel is bringing out the best in people. Um, Mm. If anything is bringing in a lot of competitiveness that are probably not healthy. I was trapped into the creative corporate world myself. And mm-hmm. um, I was my least creative, you know? Yeah. yeah. Now it's completely I mean, this, this growing the house idea, is just, it's actually blowing my mind. And that's what my intention was with this conversation to yeah. allow our brains to just wander and wonder. But this is so radical to me because Gina and I um, have ties to real estate. And one of the greatest difficulties for a young 20-something, even 30-something is to get into the market. Mm -hmm. And like you said, this is breeding so much competition, right? It's a seller's market currently right now in Vancouver. And you can't even get a one-bedroom in Vancouver for under like 600000 on average. So people aren't able to get into homes and then they're using things like this asset, right? This, this, uh, this liability, this home, as a way to sort of ascertain whether or not they are ahead or like on track. I I hear a lot of young buyers saying, I'm so behind. Yeah. Right. But what if everyone built their own house and that wasn't something you used to define or measure yourself against anyone? It's just kind of like, yeah, we all have one, obviously. We made it. (laughs) It's not this sort of marker of my quote unquote success or how much money I have or how yeah, how advantaged I was. Everyone has a house. It's it's so cra- it's so radical to me that we haven't figured that out yet. How how are we not working towards that? Why are we still making this so inaccessible? Yeah, yeah, that was literally one of um, the video ideas that I had. Um, that it was literally like, why can't we have a system where it is actually by law that by sixteen we have to have built our own house and. Yes. You will be given all the resources, the teachings, everything. But really your project by the age of 16 is that wow. you don't have to worry about shelter whatsoever. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, because I I mean, luckily I didn't have to worry about shelter because my parents work their way through the system to secure one. <laughs> but up until 16, I'm just learning things like algebra and like Tennessee history. And it's, it was quite useless to me. I would have been much better off. Well, it's, it's funny because we look, 
down as a society on people who decide to focus on trades, which is so interesting to me because that's very useful. So people (laughs) in schools, I know in Canada, it's like this. I don't know about places in the US. It wasn't like this for me in Tennessee, but my husband, I know that in high school, you can kind of choose whether you're going to go sort of the academic route or the more tradesy route. And if you do go the trades route, you would be behind on the types of courses you needed to have completed in order to go to university. But there were people in his school who decided to basically focus on like mechanics or carpentry and they didn't do the like calculus class because they didn't need to. And I just find it interesting that as a society, we kind of think that that's not the highest, not that we need to, you know, hierarchically rate them, but that's, that's also valuable. Like I can't do any of that. And now I have to spend money to exchange for that service and skill. I don't Mm -hmm. have that skill. So I have to spend money now. And so I just think it's interesting that we view society in that way. People who decide to go that route are like less intelligent or something like that, which I don't agree with at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I just think that's, that's generally how everything has really been over the course of mm-hmm. a lifetime, that everything's been quite boxed and limited to whether you want to be, even in my um, scene, it's like, do you want to be an architect? Do you want to be an engineer? Yeah. Do you want to be a graphic designer? It's like, Actually, like my role now for the past three years as a wellness designer, that still isn't a thing. Yeah. Which is yeah. mind blowing to think that when I went to design school, they didn't teach me how to create spaces for well being. And I am just confused. I'm like, you want me to create things that are monetizable, the things that would sell, but yeah. you are not going to somewhat teach me the essence of what real design is, which is problem solving for humanity. Mm -hmm. Um, So in that case, um, what is happening now, and I feel that it is really expanding because I'm kind of coming across these really amazing titles that Mm. I'm like, what is that? Like um, someone was like a technologist, like scientists or something. I was like, what? I want to know more about that. Like, <laughs> you know, people are really fusing and creating these new roles for themselves, which yeah. is spectacular, I think. And they're merging all these domains that was never a thing. You know, like one of my visions for the future is that I want to build a school for wellness design, you know, to actually mm-hmm. teach people how to do it. Because right now, all that there is really is just you get certifications for certain roles. So, for example, if you want to um, be an organic shop, you just get that certification. You don't actually have a wellness designer that comes in that designs your shop. Um, There are like several different ones. Um, There is the well certification that you can get. But again, it's quite small and limiting. Um, But yeah, in general, like imagine that we've kind of lived in a world where all of these roles were completely merged together and people really tapped into their intuition in order to get a task or a project done, you know? Yeah. And you don't pick a thing to be out of all the pre uh, selected options, you choose a thing to be. One mm. of my close friends actually in this industry calls herself, she's also a coach and a podcast host, but she calls herself a life doula. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? But it's actually been so fascinating to me to have her explain why she came up with that term and how it was actually her reclaiming her power and ability to define who she is going to be in business. 
Mm. Her intention is I'm helping people literally give birth to their own true life. Yeah. And I thought that is so incredible. You didn't just pick one of the given titles that you've heard before, like speaker coach. She's like, no, I'm a freaking life doula. I am bringing people's life into the physical realm. I'm bringing things from the unseen into the scene, much like a baby yeah. is born. And I just thought that was incredible. And so what would what would we all choose to be, right, if we knew that we could choose our own titles? And I'm seeing a lot more freedom around this because yeah, a lot totally. of people are in the creative space now. People are saying, yeah, they're wellness designers, they're manifestation coaches like us. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm so I'm – so, um, like floored by that and truly impressed by that, that more and more we are beginning to expand into really infinite possibility. And mm. we grew up in a world that told us there's only like, I joke to my clients all the time that I thought there were only three jobs growing up. It was <laughs> doctor, lawyer, firefighter, and teacher, like four jobs. I thought those were like the only things you could be. And so it's fascinating to grow and expand and realize there are an infinite number of things that I could be and do and create. And as long as my heart is open and my intention is for that creation to either one, bring myself joy in order to engage with, but two, potentially help someone else shift their perception, experience a positive mm. shift. Um, it doesn't matter what I call it. It's it's valuable and therefore should be experienced and created. Hmm. On that note, when we talk about all of us kind of now stepping into a space where we have the permission to kind of design our own title, what we're going to do, we can merge a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Um, you know, we're really kind of becoming chefs of our life, right? What ingredients do we want to yeah. use? So we had a question for you before we came on, um, just around, do you believe that we all share the same purpose, even though we might be using different vehicles to get there? What is your take on us actually underneath all of that sharing the same purpose? Service. Mm, yeah. Service. Honestly, oh, it is literally the last chapter and the first cha chapter. Mm. Um, I think we all go through this to learn life lessons to then share with the next person. Mm. Um, then that's why I just find um, certain, like for example, just TikTok, like my social, like my page, so mm -hmm. um, beautiful because you get to share your life lesson. Yeah. immediately and as long as you have purified your intention because that's a huge thing for my everyday life um every day i purify my intentions because as a human oh, as i love that as little egos walking around we do tend to kind of um manipulate our intentions and um stick this label on it and say oh look at my authentic self look how pure i am mm -hmm. But again, like the deception is real and like, let's not get fooled into that. Mm. <laughs> so um, I think ultimately for me, it's always been the point where I'm going to receive a message in or a life lesson or whatever it may be, but I'm going to then be become aware to that teaching. I'm going to take my lesson and transfer it in a very unedited way 
because mm. what people tend to do is that they start to then stick their own identities on top of things, which is great. I, I understand why they would do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, the ultimate truth has no stickers and no labels. Mm-hmm. And that although we have to ultimately really share this through language and the limitations of words, mm-hmm. um, divine love, surrendering, open-heartedness, forgiveness, these are the lessons and um, we just really need to embody them, number one. And um, number two, I think we just need to live by them and just be a figure of that, you know, we're little Mm -hmm. divines walking around, you know. I think the Christians, they say it's like um, uh, Christ-like. Yeah. And like for me, that is my ultimate goal, you know, every morning just be Christ-like, you know, just Mm. just clear it out, stay empty because that's, that's all that I'm here to do. And you don't have to be, um, you don't have to be 50 by the time you reach that goal. If you do great, you've done a tremendous job, but like nowadays I'm seeing little like six-year-olds who are walking around and they're like, I'm the divine, I'm love. And I'm like, do you even know what that is? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so um, that's. I think that is the 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 task. It's the goal yeah. of the destination is um, to serve others and um, tell the truth. Um, mm, what if, oh, I, I that. have that one saying. It's really funny. It's um, be nice and tell the truth. Um, it's just. The only, the only thing you just have to be <laughs> totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I really do think that our purpose much, much similar to you is just to dissolve the illusion of separation yeah. because once you do that, you realize that literally you're connected to everything. Everything is possible. There's actually not a reason to be afraid because everything you're experiencing is just you. You're just experiencing yourself. And that's something to be afraid of. But when people realize this and feel safe and held by and through this realization, kind of naturally they become Mm service-led. It's only when you feel unsafe and believe in the illusion of separation and need to secure your ego that you cause harm to other people and there's less harmony in your life. And when I see people coming to manifestation originally, I feel so excited because we're going to help them undergo a transformation of perception because when they come to me, their ego wants to manifest things. They they want money for them. They want stuff for them. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it's not working is because they're in lack. They're trying to create something that's already within themselves. They already mm-hmm. have safety. They already have abundance mm-hmm. that they can access within themselves. And only once they realize that can they come to a place where now what am I going to do with all this overflowing energy? Mm-hmm. Create help help other people. I'm good now. I want to help other people get to here. Mm. And um, so, yeah, that illusion of separation and yeah, knowing that you're connected, I think is, yeah, we share that in common. Yeah. You know what I did a um, couple of months ago, actually, um, it was the start of it. So every, every year I kind of plan my whole year. Um, so comes December, I go away on this solo retreat and I'm um, planning what my year would be like. And um, I come back and I've got all my values in place. I've got all my principles. I've self-created. I've created a new self for the year. Great. 
Um, <laughs> and I kind of like the first quarter went by, which is literally just like a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And um, I was like, I was like, this doesn't feel good. Mm. This does not feel right. So then um, what I did was that I went back to the drawing board and this is what I was saying, kind of linking it back to the, f- the first comment of like the first self-creation cycle mm-hmm. in hard, but then it gets mm-hmm. really easy. So I sat down and I was like, right, Saga, let's get your values. Let's relook at them. And I was like, just looking at them and I'm like, are these driven by the person the ego that I'm trying to build. Am I trying to build an ego or am I building a frequency? What are, what are, what are you trying to do here? What is your intention? So mm. kind of going back to the whole purification of intention, I decided that I'm going to change and put aside all of my previous intention, intentions and values, which was like creativity, um, truthful telling and all these like things that was very like ego based Mm -hmm. and I shifted them to the values that God would have so Mm -hmm. surrender love and it was only at that point you girls won't believe um once I had that like moment couple of like like a month ago, um, I took all my values that was very ego-based. They weren't bad, don't get me wrong. Like they were still very like viable and they made sense um, to who I wanted to become this year. But I, it just didn't align with the element of serving the divine. Mm. And as soon as I shift these few um, things around in my head, like the next day, my language was completely different. Mm-hmm. I woke up and you know, when like you're with friends and you're just messing around and you're just being your funny little self. No, nah. like it was just different. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like this, this was a quick turnaround. Um, and I think with that, what the world that we're living in especially with social media, we're really pushed to create identities. Even with self-creators, it is this element of creation. It is this element of constantly putting things out. But I think ultimately the cycle, it kind of goes in full circle and it kind of comes back to that space of emptiness. Mm -hmm. And that space of emptiness really is a space for God for surrender, for nothingness. And once you're at that point, then you're just going to go through the creation cycle again till you come back to the nothingness and then you create again. So um, again, about what you were saying, um, it is really important to factor in that we're really doing this for the divine. Anything that we create, like, for example, like if um, these businesses were, n- their, their ultimate goal was 
not making money out of fear, but making mm -hmm. money out of service, which means that all of the money would go back to the community. Imagine if mm -hmm. mutual benefit. Yeah. Then yeah. really, like at that point, there won't be any hierarchy. It would be really a collaborative element of like, what can Gina, what can Sam tap into the divine and see what their special, unique skills are and mm. bring that to the table. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have like, numbers mm. or um certifications you know yeah so um yeah. yeah it's like the intention is to all improve the same thing rather than just improve ourselves yeah or like help our, our our individual situation it's like every intention is so that this greater community that i exist within thrives which obviously means that i would too because i belong to it yeah. Yeah. but once again believing in that separation is i got to get mine and you know dog eat dog eat world right which i think is yeah very very um we just entered uh i think pluto was in capricorn for like 200 years or something like that it's yeah. it's very earth energy industrial revolution but now we're entering aquarius and so things are becoming much more innovative and everything is about community and connection now I'm not sure how familiar you are with astrology, but I did actually want to know what your yeah. big three was. I forgot to ask you at the beginning. Yeah. So I'm a Leo, Pisces, and Capricorn. Mm. Oh, so Leo, Sun, Pisces, Moon, yeah. and then Capricorn rising. Yeah. yeah. I definitely feel the Capricorn rising. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, For sure. I, I just, uh, very Leo of me to only know about my sun sign. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, what, another thing that I found quite fascinating about just uh, this thing that has entered the earth is that I was born on 8th of the 8th and my numerology number is an 8. So um, wow. this whole element of kind of like looking into the void, I'm only starting to learn that through numerology and astrology. Um, so it's kind of, although again, it's just, language giving me some form of reassurance of who I am. Mm, um, yeah. yeah. Really. And the truth that everything is divinely orchestrated. Yeah. I think that that's what those frameworks have really offered me because I thought everything was random, but having seen the complex patterns and recognizing those patterns in my life and in other people, I'm like, no, there's, there's sacred geometry to this. There is a pattern to this. I just didn't know it before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we have a couple final questions. I'll ask one and then I'll have Gina ask our final one. But I'm actually curious to know, is there something that you used to believe that you don't believe anymore? Gosh, every single thing. Like one of the <laughs> things, literally, I, I always um, even kind of, I should have mentioned at the start of our speaking is that what I say now, I won't say tomorrow or the day after. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So I don't know when, when someone, when like, especially now that I'm on uh, kind of social media a little bit more often, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like people are going to know me for this one thing. But then it's just, yeah, yes. my beliefs Ugh. are changing by the second. And yeah. Um, I yeah, agree. a thousand percent, I think one of the bigger things that's, I don't believe in anymore, um, or at least I should say I kind of believe in more now is this whole process of bringing in the things that I want, um, mm -hmm. like manifesting. 
manifesting yeah manifestation is such a thing and then I've got like Deepak Chopra at the back of my head who is like the OG of this whole thing and um, I remember when I found his book um um synchro destiny oh good one I I was like this is a like how did I even end up opening this book because I I found it and then it said if you're reading this chapter, da, 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 you're meant to be here. I was like, gosh, this is like a little bit overwhelming right now. Um, mm. But I, I definitely believe in um, the fact that I kind of have found almost like a cheat code to manifesting, which every time I find myself going, literally saying this one line, um, imagine I'm working on something and then I get frustrated or I, you know, I'm just asking for something and I go, I just want to. And that's it. And then within like five minutes, it becomes a thing. Wow. Like wow. This, and I know this is really funny. Um, like I, I'm, I'm going away and I was like looking for like hotels and stuff. And um, I, I couldn't find a space that I really wanted to stay at. So then I was like, I know this sounds so bougie, but please, whoever listening, don't, don't judge me. We're judging you. Don't judge me. No, it, it was, like it was a thing. I was like, I just want to experience four seasons. Like, I just want to stay at the four seasons. Yeah. I just want it. No, but it was just, it was just crazy. Cause I was like, wait, you never wanted that. All of a sudden you want this thing. And within five minutes, I just found this insane deal. And I was like, no, no. Like, how is this even a thing right now? And then I called my partner over and I was like, this is four season at this price. Like, are you like real right now? And that was the cheat code. I feel like every, mm. every um, time I kind of go, I just want to, um, within five mm. minutes, it just becomes a thing. Yeah. Well, the cheat code is basically claiming what you want and then not allowing yourself to introduce self-doubt or trying mm-hmm. to figure out how it's going to happen. You, you just say that that is what I want. And I am open to seeing the ways in which that will come together, which reminds me, you told us that you manifested this podcast episode. Oh yeah. Yeah, completely. I remember, um, that that same time that I went away in December to figure out my whole year, I, um, had monthly goals and, um, for April, I, I wanted to be on a podcast and, it, I, I literally had it planned out to kind of reach out to a few podcasts that I like. And I didn't even get the time to do that, which was yeah. like a whole nother journey. But, um, and then when you reached out to me, I, I, I was like, this was really easy. Like I, <laughs> yeah. I had to write it down. And then I had the most epic invitation about the things that, like I resonate with, like, this is fantastic. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, so I literally wrote down that I want to be on a podcast in April. And then I just had you knocking on my door. And, and then I, when I replied to your message, I was like, wait, was that it? Like that was it. That was it. <laughs> the universe honestly makes things easy for us. We make it hard. It's yes. like we, we tried and then you, you thwarted us. But, um, something I tell my clients all the time is that we are manifesting what else is being caused by another. So you wanting to be on a podcast is creating the desire in me to also reach out to you. And so yeah. there is like an e- a cause and effect here. And so what I think I was reading in a book last night that what is in the cause is already in the effect. Yeah. Mm. So 
something like me desiring to have a guest on the podcast, it already exists in the person who's going to come on. Yes. It's, yeah. Yeah. Like we're all connected. So that's very, mm. very exciting. I remember feeling very geeked out about that. <laughs> um, well, we're on to our final question. Sega, we asked this to all of our guests and I'm very curious to hear what you're going to say. So you know, the podcast is called Spiraling Higher. And the idea behind that is that we tend to, you know, healing is an upward cycle. Life is on an upward cycle, right? And often we might revisit lessons just from a different perspective. So do you have a certain theme or a certain lesson that in your life, in your journey, you've had to kind of keep revisiting? Is there a common theme that keeps coming up for you on your journey? Hmm. Yeah, taking myself seriously. <laughs> <gasps> mm. I think that that is a cycle to learn, you know, like trust that yeah. you really are here for one purpose and that's to serve the divine. So mm. really not getting lost in all of my self-creation and creating all these identities. That's like a everyday cycle. Like I had it mm -hmm. this morning and then um, I'm, I'm very sensitive with energy. So I was like, oh, as soon as we'll hop on and I did a bit of energy healing, I was like, it's all going to flow. But in general, I think that's, that's just the natural um, process of anyone's life is that it's like, just don't take yourself too seriously, you know, just let it go. Like you're just here for one reason. And as, as long as you detach from the density of life, you will spiral. Mm. You know, that is the only way. Mm. Oh, yeah, it's kind of like it's that. a natural, like it's going to happen as long as you don't get in the way. Yeah. yeah. I love wow. that. Um, well, this has been honestly so expansive. And I, I love that once again, my mind got to wander and wonder, which is what yes. I had intended. But um, where can our listeners find and devour more of your brain? Because your brain is such an incredible powerhouse of inspiration and lightness. So I would love for you to share with our audience, where can they find you? Uh, TikTok. Honestly, I, I um, express everything that um, I really have built such a fascinating group of people. So come on TikTok, share your ideas. Let's create together. Um, and I'm super thankful, honestly, for anyone who is um, even giving me their moment and time for me to express my ideas with them. So um, mm. yeah, come and find me on TikTok and we'll create. Amazing. We'll share your link in the show notes. Um, we can't wait for everyone to hear this. We'll share with you the feedback that we hear inside of our community, yeah. and we hope we get to co-create some time in the future. Yeah. And thank you so much. Honestly, uh, like I've manifested you, as you said, and I, um, <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things I really wanted was to connect with like-minded people, and I am more than excited to have you girls in my journey. Mm. Thank you. Us friends forever. Friends forever. <laughs> Thank you, Saga. Thank you so much for listening to this honest conversation. We hope it brought you peace, clarity, and a little bit further along your spiritual journey. If you loved this episode, it would mean the world to us if you left us a five-star rating and a review so we can bring you more conscious conversations, spiritual topics, and guests. And we lovingly invite you to join our free Spiraling Higher community by clicking the link in the show notes to continue this healing dialogue and share with us how this episode impacted you. 
Come on in, introduce yourself, and meet your conscious besties in a safe space for healing conversations between us and other like-minded people on their healing journey. Here's to spiraling higher. 